Thanks for joining us in our series uh, called Guardrails. How many of you guys, just by a show of hands, have been here for, for all so far, all two going on three so far? Great. And how many here are here for the first time? So some, we, everyone here is a veteran of guardrails. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we're talking about guardrails because they're important, and we all know what they are, right? We've been covering this for weeks. We all know that they're a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. You may not notice them until you bump into them. And when you bump into them, you are a very, very grateful person, correct? We find them on bridges, of course. Otherwise, you fall into the water. But I mean, theoretically, you could go on a bridge without a guardrail and take your chances, right? So they're on, they're on bridges. You find them in two-way medians, you know, in your home, near your house, on the street, and the freeway. You find them there as well. And you also find them in curves, unexpected changes to the road. You find them when you're going out to camping, going to the mountains. You find there's guardrails that are there because over that little cliff right there is a 300-foot drop down to your death. So you're grateful uh, that they're there. But, you know, it's interesting about life. You don't really notice them. And so the concept of guardrails that we're trying to educate and teach and, and help encourage you to have is that they, they should activate your conscience. They should alarm your conscience. We need guardrails to awaken right. our consciences. You know, you don't pay much attention to them until you bump into one. And that's what we want to we help you develop in your heart through, through the Bible some guardrails that will protect you from what the Bible deems as dangerous areas that will destroy your relationships, destroy you financially, destroy uh, you uh, in, 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 your, in the way you live your life. And so when you bump into these, you're going, wait a minute, oh, oh it's a guardrail. I'm glad it was there. I'm going to slow down. It's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. You know when you're having that, that argument with your spouse that, hey, no, I will, I will not bend, I will not break. This is where I am. I will not break. It's a matter for me. It's a matter of conscience. You've had those discussions and fights with your spouses. A matter of conscience. We've all had them. If we haven't, you should have one. It's good. Today... Today we're dealing with the most needed and yet the most resisted of them all. Area that's dangerous. It's the most needed, yet it's the most resisted area of all. That if we were to get this area right, there would be less poverty in our country. If we get this right, it would change and transform our very culture. Fewer men would go to prison if we get this. Thousands of children will be tucked in by their mother and father if we get this right. It's the most needed, yet the most resisted. 40% of children in our country today don't have their fathers at home tucking them in. Don't. That's just a fact. That's just data. That's a reality. And some of you guys know this personally. If we get this right, there will be less domestic violence. There will be fewer children in foster care. 
the inner city culture would be transformed. If every, if, if every area requires guardrails, your desire for sexual intimacy and physical in- intimacy, then it requires reinforced steel. Why? Well, it's possible to recover from a bad financial decision. If you overdraft and you're, you pour more money out of your ATM that's in your account, you can recover from that. If you buy something and you put it on a credit card, you can get out of debt. If you, if you neglect your health, you can get back and start eating healthy. You can recover from those things. If you got some marriage problems, those can be fixed too, amen? amen. That's awesome. But sexual sins are like any other. Unlike any other. They're so different. Not because it's more offensive to God. God's like, well, if you're sexually sinning, you're a... Wor-. No. Because in God's eyes, the sin is the same. Right. Whether you lie or you're, you're, you're physically sexual. In God's eyes, it's the same. What's the difference is, one has catastrophic damage to you. God's not more offended by it. It just damages you more. There's a generational damage. Children learn that lifestyle from their parents, from their friends, from their uncles, from their aunts. And what happens is, through the seasons of life, as you you get older, the memories of of your experiences are still there. Whether Whether you've attracted, contracted a sexually transmitted disease, that memory will always be there. Whether it's guilt or just the inability to be intimate with someone else because of your physical intimacy sexually. It is the most needed, yet the most resisted guardrail of all. Because it goes underground and then it resurfaces. You resist and it goes deep and then it comes right back up. And if you don't have guardrails, and it resurfaces. It causes damage. And sexual sin always complicates things, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's very complicated, right? Complicates everything. So it's no wonder that Paul says this. Flee. He should have wrote, flee, baby, flee, right there. He should have wrote that. He didn't write that. (laughs) Flee, baby, flee. Get out of Dodge. Run for the hills. Flee from sexual immorality. All the sins commit are outside of their bodies. All all these sins that people commit outside of their bodies. But those who sin sexually sin against their own body. In God's eyes, sin is the same. But sexual sin has more repercussions on you than it does, let's say I stole a nickel from my mom. Okay? My mom may have some trust issues with me and I, you know, have to you know, gain the trust back. But when you sin sexually, you're sinning against your own body. The repercussions are different. Sin is the same, Romans 3. That's why Paul, no wonder, he pens this letter. He also writes this. For you can be sure no immoral 
impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ? I can't tell you how many people that I know that say they're devoted Christians, yet sin sexually against their own bodies constantly. And they say, but I have grace. No, you're damaging yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying the future intimacy that you can have with the, with the opposite sex in marriage. You can, you can ruin that. I can speak personally. I'm unromantic for a reason. Mark says, you're the most unromantic person I've ever met. You know why? Because I sin so much sexually against my body. I don't know you know what intimacy means half the time. It's foreign to me. My dad certainly didn't show me the way. So it's foreign how to get flowers, how to be thoughtful, how to have a conversation. Hello. All my conversations want to lead to one thing. Sexual, physical touch. It's always been that way. Always. So I have to have guardrails. Amen. Right? I'm just speaking from experience. Hurt your own body. Hurt your own mind. Hurt your own future. I wish I could be real romantic, but that's so foreign to me. That's so, what do I do? I buy flowers like once a year because some, some brother reminds me to buy them. It's hard. I don't even think that way. And I wish I could be more what Karen needs me to be. It's sad that I can't. I'm trying. But I always, it's always my mechanism. It's always my mechanism. I just can't shake it. Because I've done it so many times, it's ruined me. And I have to fight super hard in my marriage just to stay connected. That's the damage. I've been a Christian 19 years. That lifestyle is long gone and past, but it's still with me. That's why when God says, it's a different kind of sin. It's a different kind of repercussion. This is something that every husband wants his wife to do. Flee, baby, flee, right? When that guy at work's going, hey, you look really great today. Here's a little note for you. I just want to let you know how beautiful you look. Flee, baby, flee, right? What every husband wants their wife to do is flee it out of there. It's what every wife wants their husband to do. It's what every engaged person wants their fiancé to do. It's flee, baby, flee. It's what every parent hopes your kids will do. Flee, baby, flee. Get out of there. But let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Few of us embrace that. We don't flee. We flirt. When we should run, we flirt a little bit. Get a little shake, shake. And then when it's dangerous, we think we have it in us just to run. But no. Just like the Death Star has a tractor beam, when you flirt enough, that Death Star, there's no way. I mean, even the Millennial Falcon couldn't get out of there. <laughs> couldn't escape. Because once you're in the tractor beam, you are because you decided to flirt versus flee. Wow. That's what happens. It's an area more than any other in our culture. It baits us to the edge and then it mocks us when we step over. Our culture
culture's like that. It's like, oh, come over, do this, and have all this thing. And you're, all, you're like, yeah, it sounds cool. And then when you do it, you fall over the cliff, then the country goes, oh, look at that guy. He bots you. Ah, look at that guy. Ah, terrible, terrible, terrible. It's awful. It's like the woman that's, that's in, the, it's in the store buying sexy jeans for her kids, right? She's like, and she hears about, oh, she got pregnant. Oh, it's so sad. So terrible she got pregnant. Uh, are these sexy jeans on sale? Uh-oh. It's that kind of mindset. Yeah. You're in a sexy jean store. You hear about someone getting pregnant, and they're not married, they're teenagers, and you're going, that's a sad story. That's awful. Oh, half off. <laughs> Same thing. It's, it's the woman who says, man, my husband, he has an internet problem. You know, I told him to get off that computer, and she put me on the couch and watch Dancing with Stars. Yeah. That's going to be very helpful. It's our culture that baits us to, to live this way, and when we fall over the cliff, it mocks us. When's the last time you saw a movie where married couples got intimacy? Where the married couples are like, hey, we're married. We're going to, you know, we're married people. When's the last time you've seen that in a movie theater? Where married people are like, wow, it's married people. They're going to be intimate and stuff. But they're going to be married people. When's the last time we saw a movie that married people actually were close? It's like Rotten Tomatoes, 13%, right? No one likes it. They want the, oh, there's an affair. There's redemption. Oh, yeah. He made it. He fell hard. He, oh. That's what we like. We like movies that have adultery and sinfulness, and then we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie, man. It was an awesome movie. And we wonder why we're watching Dancing with the Stars. And we're not really care about the Lombardi either. You don't watch this show for the dancers. At least the guys don't. Let's just be honest. The guys don't watch the show because they want to learn the moves, right? We don't even care about the moves, ladies. Let me open your eyes. They don't care about the... They don't care about... They're not going to take you dancing. That's insane. And you want them to be on the couch with you? And you wonder why they have a problem? Open your eyes. Amen. Then you go like, my husband's a sinner. <laughs> the gall. He's been impure. This is terrible. Why can't I find a spiritual husband? Amen. We do the same thing. We entertain, we entertain ourselves with affairs, and then we're disgusted when someone actually does it. Pfft, I'm disgusted by that person. If you think flea is extreme in our culture... When, during the Bible times, when Paul wrote this, it's crazy. You go to a you go to a play, and they wear the mask of different actors. One actor wears different masks, and they would just have physical uh, sexual activity going on right there, live. People would own slaves and barter them and trade them for prostitution. And Paul's writing "Flee, baby, flee" in that culture. At least we have choices. We have rights in our country. We flirt. We don't flee. Back then, you were a slave. It's like, he's just your owner. You better go do what I tell you sexually. And Paul's writing, flee, baby, flee. That's going to be hard. Right? His conviction... You think this is extreme. This is not extreme. This is common sense. For us. So when he writes this, for a Christian... You have further incentive to flee. Look at what he writes. 
Do you not know that your bodies are the temples, are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? He's saying, you know, if you're a Christian, you even have more incentive to say, look, God is living in me. In fact, he writes this in 2 Timothy, guard the good deposit, that's the Holy Spirit, that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to guard you from dangerous areas. Amen. The Holy Spirit tells you what kind of guardrails you need. It's that <clears throat> that you hear. That's not right. You're, <clears throat> that's God. I'm trying to communicate to you this is flirting. You're, you hit a guardrail. God lives in you. Your physical body is holy. Your physical body is sacred. It reflects the image of God. You've got to guard it with guardrails, with reinforced steel. Why? If you're a Christian, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God is trying to save you the grief, the damage that it does. But you have to decide what is important to you. Are you the person that embraces the culture? (laughs) Yeah, let's watch these crazy situations and when someone does it, you're like, I'm appalled. That's our culture. We like to flirt, not flee. Geo, that's extreme, man. Come on. These shows are harmless. You need your own guardrails. Yeah. You know, my house, there's, there's this parental lock. It's for my kids. Oh, man, it's for me. Yeah, it's for my kids, but it's for me. Parental locks. Like a kid. Karen, here's the passcode. Please put it in. for my kids that's for me computers the same way why because if I don't have those guardrails with what I've done that guardrail is a paper mache I just walk right through it I need a reinforced steel that's what I need but I'm just being honest with myself because if I can't be honest with myself who am I trying to deceive we're trying to fool. Sometimes Karen, you know, Karen and I, there's a show that she like, she wants to watch, and I, I laugh at these, these, you know, these comedy shows, and she's like, "That's disgusting," and I'm like, "Ha oh, but it's so funny, it's so funny, man!" No hoot. <coughs> she's trying to help me with my guardrails. It's just fun to me in my mind. Have you ever decided? To, have you ever decided? Like decided that I'm going to honor God with my body. Or do you just do it just an hour on Sunday? Like, I, I'm honoring. I'm going to wear the right clothes. My dress is going to be below the knees this time. It's going to be below the knees. I don't go above because it's a holy day. It's the Lord's day. <laughs> but come Monday at school, at work, Oh, yeah, I go a little high because that's, that's, that's the norm out there. But in here, oh, I go below the knee. 
it's, it's, that would be inappropriate to dress that way at church. Do you want your future wife, your future husband, your current husband, your current wife, you want, you want your kids to manage this part of their lives better? Then stop baiting them. Amen. Stop baiting your children that this is okay to do and to wear. And then when they cross the line, oh my gosh, how could this happen? How could this go off? It happens because you baited them into the culture. Right. It was acceptable to you, so. It's like the sexy jeans analogy in the store. Sexy jeans. Oh, that's terrible. But then, do you think you'll pray for God's help when you're in trouble sexually? Oh, yes, you do, right? Great point. Oh, you, you pray. When you get an unwanted pregnancy, oh, you pray. When you get an STD, oh, you really pray. When you're afraid that the affair you had is going to get discovered, oh man, you're praying. The internet addiction, you're praying. And, you'll, and you will say this, God help me! And he'll whisper, I tried. I asked the guy to yell at you that has a microphone strapped to his face to knock it off and you wouldn't. I tried to help you. I don't yell, he does. And I told him to yell at you. I tried to help you. What should I do? What should you do? Establish guardrails. Establish strong guardrails. Not painted lines. Guardrails. Married people, I have some practicals for you. Okay. I have some common sense practicals. Alright, if you're thinking in your heart, Gio's going to get more extreme, I'm not. I'm just thinking common sense, because these are from real life stories. I'm going to tell you real life situations here, okay? Not made up, theoretically, so a preacher can make a point. Now, I'm not doing that. Real life stuff. And you probably have already heard of these stories, because you know someone that experienced these stories. Don't travel alone with a member of the opposite sex. I know that sounds extreme. Right? That's common sense. If you have to for your work, tell your spouse, Hey, honey, I got this trip I got to take with this person. My work's telling us to, we're going, here's the situation. And if it happens more often than not, you have to evaluate the career you have. Oh, no, I need to put money on the table. You do? Because I know about a million other ways you can do that. Right? Second thing. Don't eat alone with a member of the opposite sex. Amen. That's where the old... <laughs> wow. That's where it starts. Had a little meal. It's having a little lunch. It's lunch. It's lunch, Gio. It's lunch. Don't get extreme, Gio. It's lunch. Oh yeah, it's lunch. <laughs> right? That's real. You know what I'm talking about. Don't hire cute members of the opposite sex opposite sex because you want to help them out. I'm gonna help her out. Yeah, I'm gonna hire her. She can do some cleaning in my house. 
clean out, yeah. She's trying to earn money. I'm trying to help her out. I'm trying to help out. I'm being giving, bro. Generosity. Aren't you preaching that? Yeah, not stupidity, though. <laughs> right? I preach generosity, not stupidity. I'm sorry to be so blunt with you, but this is an important guardrail. Yeah. I, hope, I hope I'm not offending you. But if I, if I am offending you, I'm really not that bothered by that. <laughs> don't confide. Number three, don't confide in the members of sex. <sighs> My marriage is going so terrible. He's not the man I used to know. And then the brother's going like, okay. Yeah, he's just not the... Don't confide. In members of the opposite sex. You know what that does? That just destroys your guardrail. Now you're, now you're trying to get the intimacy that you lack currently in your marriage and someone's trying to connect it to, your, to a new person. Don't confide. Talk to the same sex. Get them help. Hey, me, have you talked to the sisters about that? Have you talked to the brothers about that? Amen. No, 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 bro. You're not, but he needs me. No, he needs help, not you. Right? right. He, the Lord. he doesn't need you. He doesn't or she doesn't need you. Fourthly, when you feel your heart or desire drifting toward a specific person, tell someone. Don't be like, oh no, I can't get open about that. No, no, get open about that before. That's the guardrail going bump. When you're saying, hey, I, I, I'm not, I've not done anything, but I sense my heart being drifted toward this person. I've not done anything. Just, you know, tell someone. Tell someone. It's common sense. So now this person knows. Okay, he knows. I know it's going to be as a conversation. You know, good. Guardrail. Boom. Tragedy avoided. It's when you don't tell someone. And then you have that lunch. And then you have that con- you know, confiding in that, in that conversation. So if you're married, you should know where your spouse would like your guardrails to be. You work together. Amen. Now, if you're single or in college, I have some practice for you. All right, brother. Okay. Number one, gouge your eyes out with a spoon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that literally. Apply the marriage guidelines because it transfers to the single guideline. They're transferable. And I add one thing. Don't do sleepovers. But we're going to be in different rooms. Yeah, that's just 15 steps to chaos. Sleepovers are for like 8 to 9 to 10 year old kids. That's what sleepovers are. Not for grown college single people. We don't do sleepovers. No sleepovers. Be careful you contact, number two for singles in campus, you contact old flames on Facebook. Looking up old boyfriends or girlfriends. Flee, baby, flee. Extreme? Not really. Common sense? Yeah. But even if they were to flee, flee, 
Even if you're stuck in a situation, flee. Turn. Turn and burn. Even if you've, you've gotten your past your guardrail, turn. It's going to take more effort once you get past your guardrails to turn. Yeah. It's going to take even more to turn. Yeah. It's not the same as if we're, you're getting close to your guardrail, then it's easier to turn. But once you go past your guardrail, it is hard now to turn. Because all your inertia, all your energy is going here. It's hard to stop on a dime and turn. Remember the analogy of the Millennial Falcon. Don't forget Han Solo and Chewbacca. (laughs) Right? If you think this is extreme, honestly, do you think five years from now you're going to look back and regret the kinds of decisions you made? Like, oh man, I regret having those guardrails there. I regret not having this intimate conversation with the, with the woman who wasn't my wife. I regret that, man. I should have, I should have had it then. No. You're not going to do that in five years. You're going to be like, man, thank goodness I had those crazy guardrails up there. Yeah. Thank yeah. goodness. Five years from now, I'm going, whoa, thank goodness. I'm happy. Right? Extreme? If you're married, that's how you have an amazingly awesome, you're the only one for me, great romance fueled by exclusivity in your marriage. You are loving your life. That's how you have the marriage that's on the movies. Right? Back in the 70s when there was real marriages over there. I love you. That's the kind of marriages you want. You want exclusivity. It's fuel. It fuels the romance. You're the only one for me. And every woman wants that from her husband. That's what makes your relationship Romantic. You're the only one. So is extreme? No, it's just common sense. If you want an extremely happy marriage, Amen. if you want a miserable, miserable marriage, then don't have any guardrails. Don't listen to me. Say, I'm extreme. I'm crazy. I lost the edge. <laughs> Held on too tight. Turning my wings. It's the, it's the attitude, I'm not going to share my heart with anyone but you. So you have to decide. Are you going to flee? Or flirt? To flee is to honor God with your body. But to do that, you're going to need guardrails. Thank you for your time, everybody. I love you guys.